Please don't push me. Please don't push me, but y'all push B. Now we got dwellers from Cali to Flatbush B. Now they got heat on their feet that say press B. And now we so deep in the streets, y'all can't stress me. Can't curse me, then bless me. I'm crucifying my flesh, that's less me. SAT from preaching, can't test me. Atheists are now believing, that bless me. Yeah, we got the basement replacing any of those worldly pursuits that y'all chasing. Any of those trials and tests that y'all facing. Any of the relationships that y'all changing. We rearranging, making the shame shift. Giving Satan back what's his, that's the blame shift. Rise up and walk commands, that's the lame shift. Cheat codes for living this life, that's the game shift. All on Yeshua, man, the rest is manure, man. I'm dying daily, so I rise up a purer man. Pressing B daily, so my sins looking fewer, man. Washing the blood, so my sins down the sewer, man. Yeah, so press B with me, and let's let whatever gon' be just be. Uh. Yeah, so press B with me, and let's let whatever gon' be just be. Welcome to the basement, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, Tim Ross. I love you guys so much, and I hope you're all doing well. Thank you for pressing B. Listen, if you have not downloaded the B-Side app, what is your problem? What are you even doing? Why are you here? I love you guys so much, and uh, I thank you for all of your support. Listen, I want to dive straight into uh, this conversation I get to have with my guest. Um, many of you all have probably seen her and you don't even know it. And I'll let her tell you why that would be the case. Uh, but she's written a compelling book that I believe is going to be a blessing to you if you pick it up. It is called Glimmer. It is a story of survival, hope, and healing. And after you hear this story, I believe it's going to heal you. Without further ado, I want to present to some and introduce to others the one, the only. Kimberly Shannon Murphy's in the building, everybody. Let's go. Thank you. That was the best introduction I've ever gotten. Listen, this is literally how I introduce everybody. The Love turn, because I'm excited. And so I feel like falsetto helps people to understand yes. what excitement is like i love it yeah yeah thank you so much for being here thank you for having i me. know you have uh been uh on a tour with this book yes. getting this message out and the fact that you would stop and sit on this couch and come to the basement is uh a pleasant treat thank for you. me so um our audience is affectionately called dwellers okay we are people that believe that uh vulnerability is our superpower mm. um and just from the title of your book, uh, this is something that you have stepped in, which takes bravery, uh, which takes courage, um, and takes a little bit of DGAF. I won't say the whole acronym of what DGAF means, but it's don't give a. Hmm. And so it could be fudge, it could be frolicking, it could be whatever you want that F to be. Yes. Um, but it takes a little bit of that to share your story because when you put yourself out there, uh, you give people an opportunity to um, experience you in a completely different way. Yes. Some people can embrace that. Others cannot. Correct. So I would love for you to just give us 
some like backstory to like who you are, especially since it's the first time for us meeting. I'm a very curious soul. So I would like you to give me as much backstory as you feel comfortable with Okay. on who Kimberly Shannon Murphy is. Can I just say your whole name rocks. is long? Well, it's not <laughs> it's not that it's long. It's just that I'm I'm a wordsmith and I live with words mm-hmm. and, and and I communicate for a living. So it just rolls off so well. The syllables are just delicious. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Kimberly Shannon Murphy. It's seven syllables and it's just right. Okay. I'm 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 enamored by your name. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate that. Yeah. Um, so I've been a professional stunt woman for 20 years and probably doubled every single tall blonde in Hollywood, I would say pretty much. <laughs> what? Um, and Charlize Theron. Yes. I, cause how could you not? Yes. Yes. Her Cameron Diaz for a big chunk of my career. Yeah. I was with her and pretty much everybody else. I yeah. would say. <laughs> and then the ones that are tall and brown hair, it, also just, me with a wig. Yes, yeah, I, I was just about to say, they just threw a wig on you. Yes, exactly. That's awesome. Exactly. That's awesome. 20 years? Yeah, 20 years. That's a that's a legitimate career, yes. Kimberly Shannon Murphy. Yes, I've been very, <laughs> I've been very blessed. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah, that's awesome. I um, Can I just muse there for a second? Yeah. I'm curious, what movies with Charlize? Have I done? Yeah. So I just did one with Charlize. Okay. I did The Old Guard. That's one of Is our it one of your favorite, favorite movies, movies okay. with her in it. Okay. We ran that back a few times. Oh, how funny. So we saw you. So I didn't shoot the actual film mm-hmm. because my daughter was young and I didn't go to um and it was shot in London and Good I didn't want to leave her. Yeah, absolutely. Um so I did what we call a previs in Hollywood. Okay. So I spent three months helping create all of her fight scenes. Ah, got you. Yeah, 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 so for sure. So did all the rehearsals. I trained her. Yep. And then we sort of put it on film and then they use it when they're, you know, prefacing what scenes and shots they want to do so got they you. can remember the choreography and go back to it. She did, I would say, probably in the film, most of all of it. Wow. Like she did in Atomic Blonde was the same. You have the stunt people who do the more dangerous things, but yeah. as far as the fights go, she's yeah. really involved in it yeah. and really wants to do all of the fight work. So um, Atomic Blonde, the scene with the stairs, yes. is probably one of the most- Super cool. Super cool yes. scenes. Yes. Yeah, that's amazing. Yes. How does one get into a career like that? I was a dancer with Alvin Alley. Okay, for a few years, yes. I was in their professional program. Um, so I it's basically the program that you get into when they're prepping you to be in their company. Yeah. And then I got into a really bad car accident while I was training with them and I didn't wasn't able to return because yeah. it was pretty bad. Um, so I did that. I was also a gymnast and then started doing acrobatics and started performing with a company in New York similar to Cirque du Soleil. Yeah. So I traveled the world doing that. Wow. And then I just sort of fell into stunts, for lack of a better word. <laughs> <laughs> I see everything in pictures. Yes. So you getting into a car wreck and then mm. winding up a stunt woman just seems like the punchline Yes. Of a really hacky joke. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Like, 
that would seem like the most risk adverse. Like they'd be like, no, I've already done enough crashing in my life. Correct. I don't want to do that again. Yes. And you fell into that. I did. A lot of my friends were getting into it. A lot of people I performed with were yeah. starting to do stunts, and yeah. they said, Kim, you should send. You know, back in the day, yeah. we were you know physically mailing things with a stamp and stuff. There was no. I remember these <laughs> there days. Was no emailing. Yes, I remember these days. <laughs> so we would email our headshot, and yeah. I emailed my headshot to the top coordinator in New York. And a week later, he called me to do a film called My Super Ex Girlfriend. Yes. Doubling Uma Thurman. Yep. So that was my first film. Wow. Did that for a year, and then I never stopped working. Wow. All right. So before we move on, I just want to recognize for people that would not know this um, how rare of an air you were in as a dancer mm. to be in Alvin Ailey's yes. company. Yes. That's not lost on me. <laughs> I, I can just imagine yes. how good you were. Yes. That's I, unbelievable. I, I was very, it was a rigorous um, audition process. Yeah. And yes, and then they sort of put you in, the pre-professional program is what they call it. And yeah. so you're training and dancing 10 hours a day. And that's what I did for about a year until my accident. So so, so there is a level of discipline and mm -hmm. um, uh, what other word do I want to use? There's a level of discipline and level of commitment that you had. It yes. sounds like at a very early age. Mm -hmm. That's... Cause that's 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 a commitment. Yes, dancers are the hardest working people on the planet, especially when you get to the level of professional and you're doing. I mean, it's super hard on your body. Yeah, you're. It's all you're doing, and you don't get paid that much money. Yeah. So they you need have to, to love it. They need to make more. They. I agree with you. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. They're like agree the most you. beautiful form of expression. Yep. And yes, they need to be. Um, honored more and paid more i agree sure. i agree with you i absolutely agree with you um what what did what was your experience after the accident how did that how did you feel make it having to make the pivot you were kind of forced to do it yes so what was that like the accident was really difficult and i speak about it in the book as well because I was in a really rough place through my 20s. Mm -hmm. I was trying to make sense of my childhood and what had happened to me, and I wasn't making the best decisions in, mm -hmm. in my life. Um, and when the accident happened, it was sort of a wake-up call for me a little bit. Mm -hmm. I was struggling financially, and it sort of forced me into... I couldn't go back to... Alvin Ailey because I couldn't really afford to not have seven jobs and pay my rent <laughs> mm. and do all the things, especially yeah. living in New York. Yeah. So I feel like it was sort of the start of a turn for me in yeah. my life. Yeah. And even though it sort of took me down a dark hole, it also gave me a lot of light as well. So um, I'm again, I see everything in pictures. And so I'm tracking with you right now. Um, this seems to be a really good segue into the book. Um, talk about that story. Take me back to little Kimberly mm. 
um, I would love for you to introduce her. Yeah, she us. would love to be introduced. Yeah. <laughs> um, so my mother's father, my maternal grandfather, was now many doctors have diagnosed him. He's dead, but as a sociopath. Okay. And he abused my mother, um, her siblings, and then ultimately me from the time I was about two or three till I was 11 when he passed away. Okay. Um, sexual abuse. And I like to call it torture because that's pretty much what it was. He was very violent as well as emotionally abusive. You know, all all of the things he falls under. And when that happens to you at such a young age, there's a lot of questions and a lot of confusion about who you are and why you're on this planet. Yeah. And because my family was so groomed by him, it was all that I knew. Mm. And I didn't have an identity separate from him mm. and what was happening to me. So... It was like I was living in a fog my whole childhood. Mm -hmm. um, and then when he died, it was really such a relief to me. Mm. And I would say one of the most difficult memories besides the abuse that I had was at his funeral when I, I was raised very Catholic, mm -hmm. um, very strict Catholic. Mm -hmm. And... Everybody went up, all my mothers, my mother, my mother's sisters, my grandmother went up and made a speech about him. And it, I still have it in writing what everybody said. And every single thing was what an incredible person he was wow. and how my one aunt said um, my grandfather was humble and kind and reminded me of Jesus. And for me, I sat there knowing, well, it was physically ill. Like I was physically ill throughout the whole funeral and didn't understand how people could be crying and devastated and standing up and just praising him for the person he was not. <laughs> so... From then on, it was a constant struggle for me to sort of find my voice mm -hmm. and try to be louder than everybody else in my family who was saying that he was this incredible man. And when you're a kid, that's really difficult to oh, do. Oh, God. So I need a minute. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Because my chest is hot. Yeah. I, I, there is a mixture of heartbreak and anger that is so loud right now mm -hmm. in my chest that I just need to make sure I, I need the minute. You've, That's okay. You've metabolized this and I'm so grateful you can share this story and you can give us the gift of your vulnerability, but damn, I'm pissed. Yeah. So am I still, by the way. You should be. Yeah, you should be. I mean, it's, I, I, I'm i a survivor as well. Okay. I, I was sexually abused by a teenage boy oh, um, wow. uh, that lived across the street from me. 
And so was every other male on my block that was wow. my age, including my younger brother. Okay. So I so I can identify yes. with your story. Um, uh, obviously not with a biological family member. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd be damned if somebody got up during the funeral and was like, mm-hmm. he's close to being Jesus. I'll never worship Jesus if Yes. This dude is one of his disciples. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Screw Jesus, his disciples, and the God that brought him. Like, yes. what? Yes. It's so offensive. It's so dismissive. It is, even in death, this person is being protected. Yes. And that is egregious. Mm-hmm. Oh. <sighs> And 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 a little Kimberly mm-hmm. has to try to navigate that. Mm-hmm. Not like adult Kimberly mm-hmm. and I have some therapy and some trauma, <laughs> you know, and right. some tools I can reach for. You're 11 and you have to, I can't imagine sitting through that. I completely, and I speak about this in the book, because when you're abused yeah. many times we disassociate from our bodies Absolutely. right we leave For our sure. bodies That's in order right. to sort of just yeah deal survive with it what's survive what's happening to you that's right and that's completely what i did at yep. the funeral yep i felt like i could feel myself on top of my body yep that i wasn't i couldn't sit there yeah. and hear it so it was like i shut it off and just sort of left my body wow Ooh, okay. What what is that what did that cost you? Everything. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't I feel like especially when we have children, now I have a daughter, you see how your children come into this world and they're their own person already, yeah. right? They all have their own personalities and you parent them in the best way you know how and you mold them and teach them and all of the things but they also have their own personality that's right and i didn't know who i was born to be because i didn't have the chance to develop my personality yeah because i was never in a safe space to do that yeah and it was never accepted yeah and i've always been i've always had a big voice i've always been the one in my family to say, this is wrong. I don't agree with this. This doesn't feel right. But it's almost like it suppresses your gut feelings that you're born with. It pushes them down. Mm -hmm. It doesn't allow you to connect with who you actually are. Mm -hmm. And then you spend the rest of your life trying to find who that person is Mm. and heal what happened to you on top of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's a, um, it winds up being a rescue mission. For yourself. Yeah. Yes. You have to go extract yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Right? From mm-hmm. your past mm-hmm. and bring that person into the present mm-hmm. so that you all can have a future. Yes. Right? And not have this huge chasm between who that person is and who you are now Mm -hmm. as a result. If that's not integrated, then you're disintegrated. Yes. And it was really interesting now as an adult who has done so much work, 
I can look at all of these situations that happened after his death and realize how messed up they were. Yeah. The year or a few months after he died, he died in May. So in a few months after he died, my grandmother was robbed and um, she was really afraid to be alone mm -hmm. in her house. So my mother said, so you're going to spend the summer at your grandmother's house so that she doesn't feel alone because she's really scared. And in my mind now, you know, I was still 11 in my mind. I'm like, well, what I'm 11. Like <laughs> if the robber comes back. Like what exactly would you like me to do? I mean, I'm not really equipped for this. Not, not only that, but here I am having to spend the summer in this home that I was abused in four times a week, sleep in his bed with my grandmother, listen to, you know, she listened to AM Catholic radio um, and just try to survive that. Mm. And that was crazy and insane. I developed asthma that summer, which I don't have asthma. And um, Dr. Matei, Gabor Matei, um, has become a really great friend of mine. He endorsed my book and he's saved my life. Mm. And he speaks a lot about that when children have asthma or develop asthma. A lot of times that's because they're in an anxious situation and it, it manifests itself inside yeah. your body. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I talk about a lot, Kimberly, that whatever doesn't come up and out of our mouth through words comes up and out of our bodies through actions. Correct. Our, our bodies keep scoring everything. Mm -hmm. And when we can't articulate it, mm -hmm. our bodies just act it out. Yes. Because they're like, we can't hold this. Or it manifests in illness. Yeah, it mm -hmm. manifests in illness. Um, uh, this is, I'm an empath. So I feel like on a much deeper level. So yes. I can't hear your story and be like, yeah, well, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I appreciate I'm an I well, anyone who's been abused is an empath. Because we're forced to read a room because we've been hurt by adults. And so we're forced to read the room so that we know how to behave accordingly so we don't get hurt. Mm. It's a real thing. It is a real thing. It is a real thing. All right, so, um, and I'm an emo, so I want to say that too. I will cry at a drop of a dime. That's so okay. I, I just want to put that out I'm there. I'm a as crier well. too. It's yeah. All, it's all good. All right, so I am very, like, I'm just holding a lot of, uh, uh, empathy and care for 11 year old Kimberly. <laughs> who She who, appreciates that. Who, who is now being thrust into, the house of her abuser, mm -hmm. the bed of her abuser, mm -hmm. to protect the wife of the abuser. Mm -hmm. Who was completely aware and complicit of what was happening to me. I did not want to say that, but I could feel it. Mm -hmm. Grandma, you know what the hell you... Oh, she knew. Stop playing. Mm-hmm. <sighs> She was just as bad as him, if not worse, in the sense of I, re I have memories of things happening to me in that house and her seeing things and my mother as well. 
and nobody doing anything, which when you're young like that and these horrific things are happening and the adults that are supposed to love and protect you, especially your parents, yep. are just not. So then it makes you feel like, OK, this is normal. This is what even though every be every cell inside my body felt and knew it was wrong. Yeah. When every adult is just sort of turning a blind eye to it. At some point, I felt like this is what families do. This is just how everything yeah. is. What and other point is, of reference would you have? Yeah. Yeah. So um, now I'm uh, angry in a different way, and that's bringing tears. So I'm acknowledging this as I'm as it's unfolding. Um, so so obviously, when when you've suffered what you've suffered uh what i've suffered what i've suffered mm -hmm. it, it it makes us advocates and it makes us huge justice seekers mm -hmm. and um i'm i i seethe with anger over the abuse of power um and how power is so closely linked to abuse yes and the fact that the only way to stop abuse is to disempower. Correct. And if that power is not taken away, the abuse remains. Mm -hmm. It won't go away. Like Epstein doesn't stop mm -hmm. until he's taken away. Weinstein doesn't stop mm -hmm. until he's taken away. Yeah. Cosby doesn't stop mm -hmm. until he's taken away. Yeah. Kelly doesn't stop mm -hmm. until he's taken away. So it's like, that's the only way it, the the individual has to be disempowered, mm -hmm. right? For your grandfather, he had to be dead. Yes, <laughs> yes, he did, and and he was, a, interestingly enough, he was a wealthy man. He had money, so my grandmother, that's all she cared about. Mm. It was that he, she could get her nails done every week, and mm. from from my family, it was all about appearances, right? Yep. Because I think that when really ugly things are happening inside a family. Yep. They have to build these appearances that look like we're the perfect family. Yeah. So she got her nails done and her hair done. And he, he provided all of these things for her that because she was a complete narcissist and probably had some, uh, psychopathy as well. Yeah. Um, that was enough for her. And it didn't matter that her children and her grandchildren were being, abused by her husband. Ooh. So it sounds like you were the person that broke the silence. Yes. In your family. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me how you got there? Yeah, it took a really long time. I don't speak to anybody in my family anymore. Understood. That's recent. The most recent one has been my mother. Okay. And that's just been about six months. Okay. When I got my book deal, it was really interesting because I went from feeling like everybody, my grandfather left confession letters after he died. So he, and he left them as he was alive as well around rooms and things and, um, you know, to try to make sense of him is almost impossible. But 
there was a cousin that one of my mother's cousins that he abused as well. I don't think there was anyone that was that had contact with him that was free of what he did. Unbelievable. Um, so Whew, he also was drugging some of us as well. Um, I don't know that that ever happened to me. I, I can't remember exactly, mm-hmm. but it, it was something that he did do. Mm-hmm. So he left confession letters. So there was never a question that he didn't do what he did. And the most interesting thing about it is I confronted my grandmother. She knew that I had had my memories and I remembered everything. But I said to my mom, I want to sit down and talk to grandma and I want your sisters to be there and I want to have this conversation. And so we all sat down and I just, she was just blank. And, you know, I said all the things that he did to me, Mm -hmm. to her. Um, He gave me herpes when I was seven. And that was something that I lived with outwardly on my face in fifth grade. I wasn't, I was taken to the doctor and that's, they told my mother that's what it was. And she said, that's impossible and dragged me out of the doctor's office and I never got medicine for it. And so I'm telling my grandmother all of these things and she was just like a robot. It was, it was the most bizarre conversation to have. She had no emotion. There was no nothing. Yeah. And at the end I just said, are you going to say anything? And she said, what do you want me to say? I don't, I never said that this didn't happen. I believe you. That's it. That's all I have to say. And that was the last time I ever spoke to her. Good for you. Um, And then my family came afterwards. Once I got my book deal, my one sister just completely ghosted me, hasn't talked to me in four years. Mm. And I didn't, I only write about one sister in the book and Mm -hmm. it's, I don't even say her real name. And, Mm -hmm. and because my goal in writing the book was not to out, not to speak poorly about anybody, but him and tell my story about him. And I wasn't interested in trying to be vindictive or hurt anybody. I just wanted to tell my story so I could give a voice to other survivors that are suffering in silence because incest is something that, is a really difficult thing for people to talk about Absolutely. because it's so layered. Yeah. And slowly each sister stopped talking to me. Wow. And then my father and then my mother was the last one and that was my choice because things started happening because of her trauma and it wasn't in the form of sexual abuse but you know if you don't deal with your trauma it comes out in other ways. It does. And she was behaving in ways that were not acceptable in my life anymore yep. and not acceptable for my daughter to be around. Yeah, good. And so I I told her I can't have a relationship with her anymore. Yeah. I, I want to I celebrate the boundaries that you have. Thank you. Because a lot of people are not able to put those boundaries in place. Mm-hmm. They, they have good intentions. Yes. Um, my, my, I have a dear friend uh, who said to me, if you don't like the story I've told, you shouldn't have chosen the role you played. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so you're telling your story. Yes. You're not telling your mom's story. Correct. You're not even telling your sister's story. Mm-hmm. You're telling your story. Right. And 
there are a lot of people involved in that story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. You have your story to tell. Mm-hmm. Yes. I have my story to tell. Exactly. This is my story. If you don't like the way you were told about in this story, um, you shouldn't have chosen the role you played in it. Yes. And you should have treated me better. That part too. Mm-hmm. I, 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 um, this is helping so many people. And I just want to stop and say thank you so much for writing this book, but even more just sitting here sharing these little elements because there are people that watch this who have been abused by their parent, mm-hmm. their grandparent, their brother, mm-hmm. their sister, their aunt, their uncle. And they need to know that they are not the only ones. One of the biggest lies for the abused is that I cannot share this. Yes. I'm the only one that's going through this. Mm-hmm. And we have no idea um, how powerful vulnerability is in helping people understand that they're not the only one. And I believe that that starts in the grooming process. When you've been abused by somebody, there's a lot of grooming that goes on. Agreed. And there's a lot of things that they say to you to terrify you and to not telling no one will believe you. And we carry that. And so that's why so many people stay quiet. And I don't even think a lot of times people connect the two things. No, they don't. It's embedded in your brain. That's when you're growing. That's when your brain is growing. That's when you're learning all the things about the world. And if that's what you're presented with, which is I'm doing this thing to you. If you speak, no one will believe you. If you speak, I will kill you. So that fear is embedded in our nervous system. That's exactly right. So we don't feel, it's not that we're not strong enough to say it. Right. Because we've already been through the worst. Right, absolutely. It's that 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 we have this subconscious voice that is in our system that's telling us if we say it out loud, no one's going to believe you. That's why so many survivors say, oh my gosh, I said it and I feel like I'm lying. Mm. I feel like I'm, I'm not speaking the truth why would i say that and i felt that way when i first said it out loud wow i felt like what kim why are you lying why are you telling this story yeah and that was just him yeah. speaking Absolutely. it wasn't me yeah well um the, the 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 funeral proved how effective his tactics were oh yes <laughs> to have person after person after person get up mm-hmm. and laud him yes. and you know celebrate his life Mm -hmm. as if he was not a monster correct is proof at how effective somebody who's broken can be yes at uh grooming their abusers Mm -hmm. uh, their their the people that they abuse Mm -hmm. (sighs) okay so you when so the first time that when was the first time that you spoke this out? Was it when you sat down with your family or I'm trying to figure out from 11 to when I was 15. how long you were 15. Mm-hmm. Okay. 15. Yes. I told my mother when I was 15, I was having flashbacks and I couldn't make sense of them yeah. and I didn't understand. And I was locking myself in my closet and just terrified and crying all the time. And, So I said to my mom, I'm having these flashes 
you know, and sort of explained to her what they were. I said, I can't make sense of them, but it feels like something really bad happened to me. Hmm. And my mom ran out of the room. Oh. And when she came back, she said, um, you're not going to school tomorrow. I'm going to take you to my therapist. And I didn't even know my mother had a therapist. <laughs> and I said, mom, you have a therapist? And she said, yes. And you're not going to school tomorrow and go to bed and I'll see you in the morning. And I was like, go to bed. <laughs> it's like four o'clock in the afternoon, like, mom. Like go to, I mean, the if you could just give me a little bit more information, that'd exactly. be super great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, What's happening bit, tomorrow? I don't know, something. Yeah. Um. So I sort of followed her into her room and just wouldn't, you know, kind of pushing her like, mom, what? And she just said, um, the same thing happened to me. Jeez. And then she said, go to bed. (laughs) (laughs) So the disconnect that my mom was able to, that is how my mom survived. It is still how she survives. And I can literally see it when she does it, when she disconnects from her body. Um, There was a, a time just a few years back where I was abused on my first Holy Communion. And it's a really horrible memory for me. Yeah. And I had shared this with my mom through the years yeah. as we, you know, she brought me to her therapist and I got my own therapist. I was working through my stuff. She was working through her stuff. <laughs> as she says, which. Can, can I, can I, please. let me, let me, I'm so grateful you slowed the cadence on that because so, so. Um, I gave my life to Jesus January 14th of 96. Okay. I started going to counseling and therapy in 98. Mm-hmm. So I've I've had some form of counseling and or therapy mm-hmm. for 26 years. Mm-hmm. I haven't spot checked it. Mm-hmm. It's been a continual process. Okay. It's like people go get their hair done. People get their teeth fixed you know they go to the dentist two two times a year or four times a year or whatever thing they get their checkup from i do the same thing for my emotions Mm -hmm. i'm I'm, I'm constantly checking in i know a lot of people that go to therapy and nothing about them changes correct but they feel better because they say they go to therapy because they can check the box they can check the box and say i went in the same Mm -hmm. way a lot of people go to church correct (laughs) Mm -hmm. and have never met god They're singing page 213 of the hymnal, bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves, and they still don't even know mm-hmm. the love of God, right? So it's a it's a very, I'm grateful you slowed down on that because therapy is very in vogue right now. Mm-hmm. We, all of the, all of the, um, all of the idioms are in mainstream culture, narcissism, mm-hmm. self-care. You, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, therapy, uh, EMDR, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, all of we have all these words in the culture now. And I'm like, some of y'all ain't better. No. Yeah. Okay. How actually, have you- actually, most people are not better. And I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. Romney. No. She's an incredible doctor who has been, I, I did her podcast. She does a podcast called Navigating Narcissism and okay. she's incredible. And she calls it pseudo healing. Mm. <laughs> Kimberly, please keep going. Um, and it's basically all of the 
and I don't want to make a generalization here, so I don't want to say all of the life coaches, but the life coaches, the, you know, the people that are like, I meditate 75,000 times a day and I'm like <laughs> living in a tree and I've just really like connected with the earth and like God is my, you know, all of the things. Yep, yep, yep. And then you meet them and excuse my French, but they're a piece of shit. Yeah, for sure. And so you're just sort of, you know, but they're in therapy. So, so we can only seek out, we seek out the therapy that we need to make us feel better about who we are if we're not ready for change. If we're not ready to really go inside and really look at how we're participating in the world and how, what are the things we need to work on. Yep. So it's like I, I like to say my mom will say, I, well, that's why I've been in therapy for 30 years. And that is terrifying to me because nothing has gotten better. But it's just you find the therapist that gives you the validation you need but is not pushing you to change or be better yep. or to look at what your role is in these situations. And even... Even with me and my therapy, I've had to look at the role that I've played in my own family yeah. because of, you know, and I can blame it on the abuse and say because of the abuse. But yes, we, I lived in an enmeshed toxic family system. Yep. I definitely gaslit my sisters. Yep. I definitely behaved in poor ways. Yeah, absolutely. I was definitely triggered and didn't know how to handle it. Yep. But until we're ready to look at how we showed up, and how we can change and heal that, yep. we can never move forward in Absolutely our correct. Absolutely correct. Yeah, because the, the only person we can actually control is us. Correct. So the people that go to therapy, and they're really going to therapy because of what somebody else did to them. Yes. Right? You, you can't even change that person. Correct. So how are, th this is why I celebrated your boundaries early. Because mm. you can only control you. Correct. Right? Like, oh, you're going to be like this, and you're going to be like this, and no more visitation rights. Right. Right? Like, yes. as opposed to, I, I keep seeing them and they keep triggering me and they keep overstepping their bounds in this relationship. But, you know, that's my mom and that's my sister. So what I'm going to do, well, you do, you, you do have some control. Right. Because then you behave in all of the ways that you're trying to work so hard not to behave. Absolutely correct. And then it's one big vicious circle that never ends. Yeah. I, I had, um... Um, there was a relationship that I had um, in ministry, and uh, it in the, the the relationship was very very soured, um, and and a lot of um, abusive things happened in that mm -hmm. relationship, and so um, we were able to um, not reconcile mm -hmm. but resolve the differences yes. in the way that we experienced each mm -hmm. other, and my ultimate takeaway was this individual is too unhealthy for me to have a relationship with. Mm -hmm. I'm grateful to have resolved the issue that was between mm -hmm. us. I actually am, am really pleased at where we landed right? in the actual issue right. that we had. Yes. But in terms of like moving forward, I'm not coming over to your house for dinner. Correct. <laughs> but then it's also looking at what part of you was attracted to that relationship. Booyah. And what part of you do you need to heal yep. so that that doesn't happen again? Absolutely correct. And this is the, that is the hard work that most people don't want to do. Correct. Because if you, 
if you do therapy correctly, you're going to see you more than you see anybody else yes. in the movie. Mm -hmm. If you do it incorrectly, everybody else. It's everybody else's fault. I am so grateful you slowed down on that point because I don't even think as much as I'm an advocate for it. And mm -hmm. we talk about it a lot in mm -hmm. here. I, I've never been able to, to hone in on the people that go and nothing about them changes 30 years. And you still disconnecting from a conversation yes. because the therapists, not all of them, but they're enabling them. They're enabling and they also haven't done the work themselves. So how can you give therapy to somebody if you have never done the work yourself Absolutely, and you're not showing up in the world the way you're telling these people they need to show up in the world? That's and right. they're probably actually not even telling them they need to show up in the world like that. Yep. And, and my mom has had that. That has been one therapist after another and it's been the same. Um, the way that I... Uh describe what you just said is people can only take you to the last place they've been mm -hmm. correct and if that's a great way to put it right yes. and so if you've never been there and some and, and you're trying to get to the mall uh, go east mm -hmm. right it's this general mm -hmm. flailing of the arm of like it's somewhere in that direction right where if someone has actually been there they're like you're gonna drive two miles you're gonna make a left on myrtle mm -hmm. okay and then you're gonna make a right on jefferson now, most people turn on Jefferson, mm -hmm. but if you want the good parking, go one block more, hang a left, and behind the coffee house, you won't have to worry about the traffic in the house. On right. The, like, like, that's who you're looking for. Yes. You're looking for the person that paid full price for the directions that they're giving you. Correct. Not this general kind of, do you feel better? Yes. Do you feel, you feel good? Yes. Yeah, I got your money for it. Right. I got my nine dollars for this hour. Exactly. Are you good? Because mm -hmm. I'm good, and mm -hmm. we can go. Yes. I don't. I don't. I don't subscribe to that. I. I. And 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 it makes sense. I just had a no dumb moment. Of course, you wouldn't subscribe to that, Kimberly, Shannon Murphy, <laughs> the dopest seven syllable full name that I think I've ever uttered out of my mouth. <sighs> um, of course that wouldn't be you, dancer. <laughs> Of course that wouldn't be you, stunt woman. Of course that wouldn't of course you would do the hard work. Well, it's the cycle breakers that do the hard work. I freaking love your whole soul. <laughs> God, I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> the cycle breakers do the hard work. Yes. Damn. Ooh, that's so juicy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being a cycle breaker. Oh, yes. Thank you for being a cycle breaker. Okay, so 15, you tell mom, you go to therapy the next day, her therapist. Which is so telling because talk about unhealthy and no boundaries. The therapist put us both in the room together. Oh. Super healthy. And was just what could go wrong? Nothing. It's the perfect situation. I mean, you know, just re-traumatize right me all over again. Exactly. And just pushing me, you know. And I had just said it out loud for the first time. And what do you remember? And tell me exactly. And and it, I felt attacked, and I felt so many feelings. And 
my mother was a disaster. Oh my god! And gosh. my mother is going, just tell her. And 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 I remember her saying to me, "This is a safe place." And I'm like, "No, it's not. <laughs> There's nothing safe. There's about nothing this safe scenario. about this like creepy place that I'm in. <laughs> and you're creepy. Yeah. And and I just stopped talking. And wow. I, and then my mom sent me to another therapist, who, I guess I sort of had this just intuition from the time I was a kid. And I remember walking into her room and I just didn't like her. And Mm. so I didn't speak and Mm. they sent me for a month and I would sit there and not say one word. Mm. And it was my way of rebelling Mm -hmm. against just feeling like there wasn't somebody. And she let me sit there and not speak. Yeah. Didn't try to do now. I'm, I have so much knowledge about, how you deal with children that yeah. have had trauma. You know, you sit, you play a game, yeah, you, you right. gain their trust, that's you exactly gain right. their, you know, love yeah. or whatever, because they don't trust anybody yeah. because of what they've been through. Yeah. Um, and Dr. Bruce Perry taught me that. And there was none of that happening for me. Yeah. And so I just chose not to speak. Yeah. Wow. So, so, Trauma until 11, silence until 15, you break the silence at 15, and then get re-traumatized, which silences you again. My father didn't believe me, which was another- That is devastating. It was devastating. Yeah. I was always known as the drama queen in my family. Oh, God. Which- of course, I was. How could you not crying be? out for help? Absolutely. And How could you not be? Instead of as a parent looking at it like Kim's struggling, she needs help. It's yeah. like, oh, she's such a drama queen. She's yeah. such a drama queen. And yeah. my dad, I remember overhearing my parents fighting about my mom saying to my dad, she remembers this is what my dad's. It's impossible. It's impossible. My father was um, a Marine in Vietnam. Mm. So he had his own trauma. Yeah, of course. He went to war at 18. Didn't grow up in the healthiest household himself. Right. And so he just said, it couldn't happen on my watch. She's not. She must have found one of your books. And now she thinks she was abused too. Wow. And that is how I lived through high school with him not believing me and... So the two men in your life that should have loved you and made you their princess, one abuses you and the the other dismisses you. Yes. That is, that's an atomic bomb Mm -hmm. for a little girl. Yeah. Okay. How do you navigate the next, how do you navigate the rest of your teenage years and what do you do? I had a really difficult, well, I had an aunt in my life, my mother's oldest sister, Mm -hmm. Aunt Pat, who's in the book. And she was the first one to actually come forward. It was my mom's sister, so Mm. that was her father. And she came forward when she was nine saying that he abused her. And my grandmother 
didn't believe her and it was dismissed. And so she was probably one of the most amazing women. Um, and she gave me a lot of strength. If it wasn't for her, I probably wouldn't be here. Wow. Wow. Um, <sighs> Thank you. Empire. Yeah. And wow. I have now that I'm, as I move through my healing, I'm at a place where I am looking at her for also her part in it as well. Understood. Yeah, for sure. Um, Cause two things can be true. Yes. Two things can be true. Yes. It's the integration of the negative reality. Mm -hmm. Yes. But she listened to me always yeah. believed everything I said, cried with me, walked with me, was my biggest cheerleader. Yeah. And, um, she passed a few years ago. She had Alzheimer's. Okay. And I do believe if you have one person in your life that really believes in you and really shows up for you, that you can make it no matter what you've been through. It does not take a lot of people yeah. to help you make it through the worst episodes, yes. seasons of your life. You're right. Yes. Absolutely correct. And she, through my 20s, I definitely made extremely bad decisions yeah. i was doing drugs not i wouldn't say i wasn't i wasn't an addict but on yeah. the weekends yeah ecstasy and yep. just to sort of escape from yeah for sure my reality um and then was just really struggling financially yeah. which I, I like to say that i just felt like i was surviving mm -hmm. i never saw myself living past 30 mm. i became bulimic. I was a cutter. I was doing a lot of things to hurt myself because I didn't feel like I deserved happiness. Yeah. And I also didn't know what that actually even looked like. Yeah. Yeah. So I was making really bad decisions. And then when I got into stunt work, my life changed a lot. I learned a lot in a lot of ways being around Cameron was one of the first people I met mm -hmm. about two years into my career. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Hollywood is an interesting place yes, filled with some really ugly people. Yep. Um, she is not one of them. Sweet to know. She is an amazing, incredible soul. She wrote the forward to your book. She wrote the forward. Yeah. yeah. And she saved me in a lot of ways. Wow. I, watched her work. I watched the way she interacted with people and just how she knew everybody's name and mm. treated everybody the same and was so confident and loving. And I just was so drawn to her Yeah, and she really, um, I was journaling at the time and shared my story with her like early on. And she was just a huge support for me. Yeah. And kind of took me under her wing and then took me on all of her films. And being around her changed me wow. in a lot of ways. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Isn't it amazing how you can simply be in proximity to a person mm -hmm. and change? Yes. We, we think that we need, like the sit down mm -hmm. up close personal like walk me through this whole thing mm -hmm. it's like sometimes if somebody just allows you the proximity to be the fly on the wall mm -hmm. you can learn I, I, that's the way i'm wired i'll take i can get mentored by anybody yes just just let me in the room 
I'll sit in the corner with some grapes. I yeah. promise I won't open my mouth. <laughs> but I can take it all in. Yes. Um. So shout out to Cameron. Yeah, she's I'm incredible. So, I'm so grateful that you got to meet her and mm-hmm. that that connection was healthy. Yes. Because in Hollywood, you could have got with anybody. You yes. could have been exposed to even more random dark stuff. Completely. Yeah. So, okay, as a 20-year career, I, I can nerd out and 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 I, I, I am one of those people that would nerd out and be like, I need the entire IMDb. <laughs> like, I want to know. It's ev- long. <laughs> yeah, I want to know every movie sequentially in alphabetical order. <laughs> I'm not going to do that to you. Um, but I would I would like to know, um, b- because I, I, f- I find it um, intriguing, even in my own life, those of us who can go through the type of traumatic experiences that we've experienced, mm-hmm. I know that's redundant, but that's what I said, <laughs> uh, um, and wind up very successful. Mm-hmm. I want to nerd out here. Yeah. Talk to me about that. Because I don't think people understand how many successful people have very dark past. Yes. And so you're able to thrive. You are able to have all of the success. A 20-year career ain't nothing to sneeze at. We do know that was our parents' generation. That ain't our generation, mm-hmm. right? That that was squarely baby boomer. I will work for Ford mm-hmm. for 37 yes. years, right? In Mom, the same position. In the same position, right? <laughs> Did you ever get promoted? A promotion? Who wants that? Yes, yes. I put this slug on this bolt for 37 years. Yes, the so reason sure. why your front end alignment is straight is because of me, mm-hmm. right? I am Inspector 19. So my mom worked for the LAPD for 30 years. Mm-hmm. My dad worked for the U.S. Postal Service for 35 years. Yeah. To work 20 years in that type of industry, mm-hmm. th- that's not a desk job sissy like this is like, it, it definitely isn't this ain't a desk job yes. right how to do it at that level with this past how i think most of the most hard-working successful people have been through a really hard time yep i do believe that yeah and Part of it was my dad really never believed in me. Mm. He, when I was got into Alvin Alley and I was dancing, it was like, oh, so you're just going to be a dancer. Mm. You're just going to, what, where, you know, where are you going to go in your life? Like, you know, you need to get a nine to five job because that's what he had and right, that's what he was comfortable with. Yeah, for sure. So I mirrored everything that was terrifying to him. Mm. And so, him putting me down was just what he did. Yeah. And then when I turned it into my career, the first time he saw me on television, he was the proudest father in the world. Mm. And it didn't matter to me because it was too late. 
Because despite everything he said to me and every turn putting me down for every decision I made, I was in a, in the world of breakdancing for a long time. Um, yes, I was the only white girl. (laughs) 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 Oh my God. And my friends would joke with me, like, you're the only white girl that can dance. Like, yeah, I would be in the club and I was like the only white girl. Yeah. yeah, It's a real thing. I love it. Um, and he didn't like that. You know, there was nothing, but everything that I did, and I believe that everything that we do brings us to where we are. For sure. So everything's a stepping stone. Yep. I didn't see it then, yep. but I see it now that yep. everything brought me to my career. And my first thing that I did, I did a commercial for Old Navy. Okay. So it was my face. It was, yeah. I was, and and back then they played Old Navy commercials. Like you turned on the TV, yeah. you couldn't miss it. It was <laughs> right. always like, yeah, yeah, always yeah. on there. Yeah. So then it was, oh my God, my daughter's on TV and let me show you my daughter on TV. Mm. And, and then all of his friends, your dad's so proud of you. And I just didn't care Yeah, because I didn't do it with his support. Right. I didn't Absolutely. do it with his love and I didn't do it because he said, I believe in you. And I right. believe that all of these decisions you're making are going to lead the things that I say to my daughter yeah. was never said to me. Yeah, absolutely. And so he can be as proud as he wants of me, but I did it by myself. Yeah, absolutely. And w- w- what I find refreshing about you saying this is that there would be so many people, both male and female, that would say, like, finally, I have my dad's affirmation. Mm-hmm. Or, like, finally, I have my dad's validation. And they would actually take it because mm-hmm. they would so desperately want that relational connection yes. mm-hmm. that it's like, if this is what it took to get you to finally turn your attention towards me, then I will I will mm-hmm. take that. Um, I commend you for, for saying... Um, I'm, I'm okay without it. Yes. Right. Like this is true, whether you ever said anything or not, Mm -hmm. because you didn't give it to me before. So why would it be contingent on this, me having it now? So I, I commend you for that. That's, that's exceptional. We don't realize how powerful we are. Hmm. And because we're born and we're attached to our parents yep. because they're feeding us and yep. they they keep us alive. Yep. Um, but that's all my parents did for me was keep me alive. Mm. Everything else I did by mm. myself. Mm, 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 mm. And I'm not going to give them the credit for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they, they they you gave them the credit that they deserved, which is you kept me alive. Yes. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. The end. Like credits just rolled and we're done. <laughs> I'm alive. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm alive. All right, 20 year career. Um when do you decide to write this book? I always wanted to write the book mm-hmm. and the interesting thing is is that probably 15 years ago I was starting to write a book with my family, with my mother, with my sisters, with yeah. my aunt. We all sat wow. down and started writing together. Yeah. And it was more of a exorcism, I would like to say. Mm. It wasn't really a book. Okay. It was just us journaling and getting our stuff out. And yeah. it was again an enmeshment that was not healthy. Yep. I my mom 
what I realized is everyone was putting themselves in the same boat mm. and we were not in the same boat. No, not at all. The adults were in another boat. Correct. And the children were correct. in another boat. Absolutely correct. And so doing that work with them in the moment, we all felt that it was healthy and I think it was extremely unhealthy. Mm. I always needed to do this by myself. Mm. So once my sister started having kids, they did a big 360. I don't want my children to ever know. I don't want this ever out. I don't want this. I'm, you know, I they get went it. right back into the same cycle. Yeah. It's the same freaking cycle that yeah. got y'all there. And unfortunately, now they have children. <sighs> so it's not just them. It's their kids. That's exactly right. And it was just never what I was meant to do with this. Yeah. And I do believe that when I, when I decided I was going to do it on my own yep. and that I was strong enough to do it on my own and it was actually the only way to do it, that I was giving my inner child a gift. Yes, you were. That she's needed her whole life. Yes, she has. And I was giving my daughter a gift. Yes, you are. Because she, I believe, is the start of my new lineage. Yeah, absolutely correct. All right, so so I wanna I wanna um I wanna slow this down if if you don't mind. Yeah. Because the um when you break the silence, especially in a in enmeshed family, mm-hmm. the I believe the reason why it's so rare for someone like you to do that or someone in your position to do that mm-hmm. is because it's going to blow up the whole family. Yes. Like the family and the way you connected to it as you knew it is going to disappear mm-hmm. and it's never coming back. Mm-hmm. And most people are so deathly afraid mm-hmm. of losing that connection, which is not a connection. It's actually enmeshment, right? Correct. Uh, which is not healthy at all. But they're so afraid of losing it that that's why they would rather say, no, let's just, we'll do a journal, but I wouldn't make it public and I wouldn't do this and mm-hmm. that and other. Because they're afraid of losing their family connection. Mm-hmm. You see it across religious lines. You see it across um, sexual orientation lines. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll keep the secret because I just don't want to blow up my family. Right. You, somebody uh, could, could you, you know, just, hey, I don't want to go to Alabama. Uh, Five generations went to Alabama and we're all mm-hmm. Sabanites, but mm-hmm. now I want to go to Texas. And then, but I guess I'll go to Alabama. You're going to blow up your family. Yes. You're going to blow up the family structure and the way you played your role in it as you knew it. And that takes a level of bravery. And a, and, and, and there's a, a grieving you have to settle within you. Like you got to write the obituary. Yes. Like I'm, that's th- this is over that's not gonna be my life so what gave you the courage to do that because it's already played out for you like i mean yes you've already said like i don't talk to this sister and this sister mm-hmm. and, you know my mom and i were disconnected and like what gave you the bravery to do that w- was that enough is enough or was that just like i won't i will not repeat this cycle it was that, and it was also the attachment versus the authenticity. Oh, I freaking love you. 
So I had to, sh what I was realizing, mm. and this happened after I met Gabor, because that's such a huge teaching and the work he does. Yep. What I realized is when I got on the phone with a sister or a parent or whoever it was, a cousin, I had to show up differently for every single person in order to make them happy, in order not to rock the boat, upset them. I couldn't speak about certain things. I couldn't, and, and everybody was different. And within that, I wasn't being able to be authentic to myself. That's exhausting too. And it's exhausting. That's a lot to manage. And all of your inner child needs and all they ever wanted when you come into this world yep. is to be authentic. That's exactly That's right. That's what, if you have good parents, That's right. you're able to experience that from day one. That's exactly right. I never was. Yep. I had an unhealthy attachment to every single person in my family and and I had to make myself small because once I started becoming, lack of better words, famous mm -hmm. in my own world, mm -hmm. you know, Kim's, you know, there was a lot of like putting me down or just letting me know that I, you know, whether it was what I was wearing or the, you know, it ranged from so many things. Yeah, absolutely. And I wasn't willing to give up my authenticity anymore to make them comfortable with who I was. <laughs> Freaking love you! <sighs> O-M-G-Z. But so many people, and I see this playing out in my family system, don't even know what being authentic looks like mm -hmm. for themselves mm -hmm. because they are so ingrained in the attachment yep. and they're, and they can't even, because they haven't done the work, they can't even find out yep. who they actually are. Yeah. So being authentic isn't even on their radar because yep. they have to dig really deep and exactly do the right. hard work to figure out what that actually means for them. Absolutely. So it's more comfortable and it's easier That's right. just to have the attachments and have the conversations you've been having yep. your entire life yep. and you'll live that way till the day you die. So, um, I, I, girl, I want to take a lap around my house. <laughs> I'm so excited. So, so, so this makes my heart. Oh, I'm, and when I tell you my heart is fluttering right now, you have no idea. So, so can you talk about, can you talk about how this authenticity looks on you and for you? Because this is another word in our culture right now that everybody's using. Oh, everybody. And they don't even know what the hell they're talking no. about. Like they, they, there, there's a lot of podcasts. It's like, we're keeping it real. We're being authentic. And I'm like, that's not authenticity. If you have to say it, <laughs> and if you gotta say it, it's usually a really big red flag that it's not what's actually happening. <laughs> yeah, it does seem a little bit artificial when somebody comes out and is like, I'm being authentic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Completely. <laughs> That's really funny to me. I don't even know how I cracked myself up. What does it look like for you? What was the permission you gave yourself to stand tall? It was, so I've done a lot of psychedelic work. Okay. For me, with my trauma, it's been a necessary part of healing. I yep. know it's not for everybody. Yep. And I know that there's a lot of different feelings around that for a lot of people. But for me, it's been really healing. Mm -hmm. 
And in my first journey, I really connected with my inner child. Mm -hmm. And that's where my authenticity lives is in her. Yeah. And because she was never able to express it mm -hmm. or grow with it and be curious about it and figure out what that looked like for her. Now that we're connected, we're doing it together. I love this image because uh, most people in their trauma just have their inner child mm -hmm. um, leading them in their adult body. Mm -hmm. And that's disastrous. Yes. Right. Because all of this uh, adaptive behavior that allowed you to survive mm -hmm. the trauma of your childhood mm -hmm. is now maladaptive behavior as an adult and mm -hmm. it don't look good on you. Right. 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 Like you throw the tantrum at 41 and yes. you're probably not going to get hired again. Like, you, you, you know what I'm saying? Yes. Like you get on the plane in first class and the nuts weren't warm and now they got to turn the plane around because you spazzed out because you were like, how come there's only 14 cashews in this bowl? Right? Like that's. They should add more cashews though, <laughs> just to be fair. Right? Let's keep it Too many almonds. Girl, we are, we were meant to. Too many almonds. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> there's too many almonds. American Airlines. I didn't call you out by name, but American <laughs> Airlines. There's way it's too many. It's true. And the cashews the, are in the bottom. The almond to, like... the almond to cashew ratio is <laughs> off American. <laughs> I've freaking flown over a million miles with you. How are these almond to cashew ratios still off? You know them almonds is chewier and creamier? Yes. Nobody wants them almonds? Yes. The cashews are chewier and creamier. That's yeah. what we want. Okay. I digress. I, I didn't know I didn't know we were gonna bond on that as well, but <laughs> I guess we do. I I um I just see too many people not go back in in and grab the, their little, the little Timmy, mm -hmm. right? The little Kimmy and like go, hey, let's walk together. Yes. And whenever you're feeling scared, mm -hmm. clench my hand. Mm -hmm. Like whenever you triggered, yes. let me know. Yeah. And I promise you, I will keep you safe. Mm -hmm. I have an adult body now. Mm -hmm. No one's going to take advantage mm -hmm. of you. I've trained Charlize. And I can protect you. I, I can throw a couple of elbow punches mm -hmm. and throat punches and growing kicks and topple my enemy. You're, you're going to be fine now. Yeah. Like you don't have to worry about yeah. it. Yeah. It's such a beautiful picture that you went back and got your little girl and that you're, you're, you're hand in hand. Mm -hmm. You're yes. not leading her and it's like, shut up, little girl. I got this. I'll protect you. And she's like, I just need a hug. And it's like, no, you don't. You need a hug from anybody. Mm -hmm. We'll hug ourselves. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you're, <laughs> you're not going to be okay. And that's the biggest thing too, for me that I realized is that around my family, she felt super unsafe. Yep. And so being around my family was extremely triggering for her. Yep. And, so how can she heal if I keep putting her in a position where she's feeling unsafe and she's feeling triggered? We're, then she's going to start not trusting me and my decisions. But Kimberly, that's your family. Oh, yeah. It's the only family you'll ever have. It's my have. favorite line. Like, come on. You can't cut your mom off. I know. Kimberly, how... You need to be the bigger person. Yes. I mean, your mom's just your mom. I mean... 
she went through a lot. You got to just love her where she is. You just got to accept your sisters for where they are. Like, who, who's going to be there for your Thanksgiving? What are you going to do for Christmas and birthdays? And like, you got to get over this, Kimberly, don't you? And I have radical acceptance, which is I'm not angry for what happened. Mm -hmm. I can't change my past. Mm -hmm. I accept everyone for where they're at, but they don't get to sit at my table. Oh, God, I wish I could clone you. <laughs> I just want to clone you. <laughs> My God. And you know, as our children are our biggest teachers, my daughter is so intuitive. She's been here before. I'm pretty sure of it. <laughs> and I've had to work through some stuff with her because I did have a relationship with my family when she was born. So yep. she had relationships. So I've had to obviously... Uh, appropriately for her age yeah. sort of try to walk her through this as I'm trying to navigate it for sure and she said to me one night you know they like to talk when they're going to bed and I'm not <laughs> sure if that's because they don't want to go to bed or it's just when all the feelings come out is when they're laying down it's both and she said do you miss your mom and I said I do Capri I said it's sad for mommy this mm. is a really sad thing for mommy but I'm trying to take care of myself and I'm trying to take care of you. And there are things that are not healthy. And she said, you know, mom, even though your parents are your parents, they don't have to be your parents. And she's nine. And I just said, yeah, exactly. You're exactly right. And when we can look at things through our children's eyes, yeah, when we're honest it's with really them, good. yeah. They say things and do things that are so simple yep. and so pure yep. and so out of love yep. that because they don't have, thankfully, she doesn't have the trauma I had. Yep. So it's coming just from her, her loving, accepting space yeah, absolutely. of who her mother is and the decisions I'm making. And that was a really beautiful moment. Yeah. I, I, I love Capri's words because... Our parents, as they were when we were children, are not our parents when we're adults. Yes. And we don't get a choice on who our parents are when we're born. No, duh. <laughs> but when we become adults... We do have a choice. We do. As to what this relationship is going to look like. Mm -hmm. There is, I'm not five and dependent. <laughs> on you. On you. Yes. I'm not. Mm -hmm. um, I don't want to be 45 and independent of you. Mm -hmm. I would love to there to be an interdependency. But where that is not healthy mm -hmm. and where that is not viable. Mm -hmm based on decisions that you have made, mm -hmm. then I also get to make decisions as well. Mm -hmm. And you don't get this, I know this is going to be helpful for somebody, you don't get this carte blanche treatment. Because you're my mother. Because my you're father. my mother or father, mm -hmm. that I must just deal with you and your obstinance or your rebellion or your stubbornness mm -hmm. because you gave birth to me. Yes. Because you inseminated my mama, I'm bound 
to relate to you mm-hmm. in the most toxic form of you. Yes. Cause you're my dad. Right. Like I, there's no, your name ain't on my mortgage. It ain't on my car note. Certainly not. <laughs> but I'm going to let you in my domicile to piss me off mm-hmm. for four hours. Yeah. Just cause you're my dad. And it's Christmas. And it's Christmas. <laughs> and I had to buy you a gift and I don't even like you. No, that's not, we, we, we get to make different choices. And what I, what I keep hearing over and over is you loving you enough and you boundary. I don't even hear like this. I don't hear an unhealthy protection. I hear healthy boundaries. Like, hey, I got to, hey, I'm going to draw a line here. Yeah. And, and you know that quote that they say, when people show you who they are, believe them. With your family, that can be tough. It can. Because you make excuses for we a long do. time. Yeah, we call a lot of red flags hot pink. Yeah, that's okay. They didn't mean it like that. That It wasn't. But I do believe that when people show you who they are, that you should believe them. Yeah. Yeah, I have an older brother uh, whom I love. And... Mm. No bueno. Mm. We can't have a relationship. Mm. He's never been to my house. Mm. Ever. He doesn't know where my parents live. Oh, really? Mm-mm. No, it's it's um it's quite unhealthy. Mm. He endangered our lives. He he's the founder of a gang okay. in LA. Okay. Because we were born in Inglewood. Okay. Founder of a gang in LA. Um, just destructive life mm. and um, even at his age and stage still very toxic still very unstable still makes me turn into like a whole nigga from LA mm-hmm. like I have to like I don't th- there's been days where I'm like if I visit him will I have to shoot him mm. will he hurt my parents like I'm not gonna live like that no. like I don't wanna think about like no. so the boundary has been I will see you when I see you Mm-hmm. I'll give you information about our parents when it is appropriate and necessary for mm-hmm. you to have. Um, and if I ever want to see you, he's a truck driver. Okay. Um, let's pick a Bucky's. Let's just find a truck stop. Right. <laughs> and I'll meet you there. Mm-hmm. Um, that automatically limits our time together. Right. In this parking lot. Yes. You know what I mean? I, don't I have, have to a wor- vehicle. I can leave. I can yes. leave. Um, I, I, don't, I don't have to worry about you being in my house. and. Mm-hmm. You saying some reckless and mm-hmm. then me having to call the cops. Right. You know, so um, that's a tough boundary to put with it is. a blood brother. And I have inc- incredible amounts of peace as a result. Yes. Isn't it incredible how yeah. that happens? Absolutely correct. And space. Yeah. And I always say the noise is gone. Mmm. There's a lot of noise when you're involved in that toxicity, especially when it's your family. And then there's no space for the things that you should be focusing on. Okay, so can we role play something real quick? Yeah. Because I think this is going to help some people that that listen to this. All right, so I'm going to role play something real quick. I want you to um, be the Kimberly that had not drawn the boundary and was like interacting with your family. Okay. Okay. So just like 
I should change my clothes. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Just I should kidding. change my clothes. <laughs> Kimberly wants a wardrobe change to get in the character. <laughs> She's like, that was a different Kimberly. I had on overalls. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> All right. So I just want you to pick a family member to talk to and just start mm -hmm. talking to him as unhealthy Kimberly that didn't have any boundaries. Oh, my goodness. Um, oh, my gosh. Who should I pick? Oh, my God. I feel like you have to say something. Oh, I, I want to do something as you. I just want you to just pick the family as a collective and just talk to them. Maybe it's not just one specific person. Because I want to do something while you're doing that. Okay. So maybe can I preface like a story? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. So there was a situation where, um, and I started talking about this. Are you coming? Is this it? What's happening? This is this is, this is the role play oh, that I want to do. this is the role play. Okay, Because you it. talked about cutting the noise. Oh. And I want people oh. to have. Smart. Okay. I get it. It's very distracting. But when you're when you put up with it, you can't hear it. You can't hear it. Yes. Until it stops. Ah, okay. I like it. Right. So true. You literally were dealing with noise, mm -hmm. and until you put the boundaries in place, correct. You didn't even you didn't even know it was noise. Yes, and you know what? Because it was normal. So true. <laughs> so true. You had mm -hmm. your whole life. Mm -hmm. Some people it might be more subtle, like that hum, even though it was still distracting. Right. And you don't even have the cans on. Right. And it was distracting. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like that's the undercurrent mm -hmm. frequency. So true. In a lot of people's dysfunction. Mm -hmm. And until they put the boundaries in place, they're like, it's eerily quiet. Yes, and then you can hear other things like the birds. I've heard the birds sing for the first time in my life this year. Girl. Literally. And I said to my husband, we were gardening, which I also have never done. And I'm like, do you hear the birds? And he, my husband is very, he comes from a very normal life in a normal family and yep. he said kim i always hear the birds and I Ooh. Said, i've never heard the birds before because i don't think i've ever been fully in my body <sighs> and it all comes back to what we were talking about about the therapy right so if you've been traumatized and you Go to see a therapist who is just going to appease you and not push you and not help you see the things you need to heal and work on and the situation for what it is, then you will live the way you're living forever. Yeah. You'll never get to a place of authenticity. You'll never get to a place of healing yeah. truly. Yeah. And the noise will always be there. Yeah. Why did you choose the word glimmer? It's really interesting because I didn't know. It was actually coined by a doctor, Dr. Deb Dana, years ago. She wrote a book about glimmer. And glimmer is actually the opposite of your triggers. So they say, find what's the glimmer in your day to find a glimmer in your day? 
And when I named it that, I didn't know that it was the meaning, the Are opposite you meaning of triggers. No, I didn't know. I didn't know this until right now. Like yeah. I'm today years old. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. So what made what what was it about that word? I think when we were writing, there was something at the end where I used the word. And, and I'm a, I'm I'm going to the dictionary in my phone. I'm not like yeah. texting. No, do it. Right and now. Like, so yes, it's I'm the, a nerd. <laughs> it's the opposite of it's the opposite of your triggers. That is awesome. That is beautiful. To shine faintly or unsteadily, to twinkle, to shimmer, or flicker. Which is what I speak about in the book, that I always felt like I had this light inside me. And that, it was glimmering the whole time. That he had put out. Shut the fuck. And then he died and it started coming up. Wow. (laughs) Ooh, I don't know why that's getting to me right now. Ooh, okay, hold on. I'm all right. Take your time. Yeah. Now you can find the glimmers throughout your day. A lot of times there are children. Mm-hmm. I think um, what made me so emotional when I was watching that unfold is because um, I, I I used to just be an optimist. But but then I've lived too long, so I call myself a realistic optimist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Right? Like, there's just yeah. reality to some stuff. Um, but what was so beautiful about what I saw when you said that was um, a glimmer is an indication that the light is never out. Yes. If it was extinguished, you could never see a glimmer. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't even be there. Yeah. But a glimmer is an indication that no matter how much you've been through, the light's never out. Some of us were put on this earth for a much higher purpose. And I believe that I was. Because you can be a victim of what happened to you. And I refuse to be that. Mm -hmm. Or you could do something with your pain and turn it into purpose. You can't change what happened to you, but you have the power to write your future. Yeah. Kimberly Shannon Murphy, (laughs) I don't think you just wrote 
a book that talks about the change of your future, but I think this book is going to change futures. Yeah. And I am... profoundly moved by your courage, your compassion, your capacity, um, your capability, um, your care. These C's seem to be coming to me Mm. in succession. Um, To give us this. It cost you so much to write this book. I don't think so. You don't? No. I think it gave my little girl everything she ever needed. Mm. And that's priceless. Thank you for loving your little girl. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for loving little Kimmy. Because there's so many adults that don't love. They they have no grace for their Mm -hmm. little self. They can still blame their little self. They kick their little self. Mm -hmm. They silence their little self. They Mm -hmm. punish their little self. And it doesn't... You can't imagine what they had to do to survive. Mm-hmm. There's oh. so much grace to have for them. Yeah. They're the strongest ones. They're the strongest ones. Mm-hmm. They got us here, mm-hmm. not the other way around. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they were the resilient exactly. ones. Exactly. We wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for them. And you'll never live a full life if you can't connect with that. Yeah. Little Timmy thanks you. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, truly. Little Timmy thanks you. I am uh, uh Oh, I just can't wait to go talk to him later. <laughs> <laughs> like this has been a very uh Oh man, I'm so happy you came today. Yeah, me too. I'm so freaking happy you came today. Like this is uh this is a special one for me personally. I'm just, they're all good, but man, you freaking, you're just a good girl, man. Thank you. <laughs> oh my God. Takes one to see one. Hey. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Um. Ooh. So... There's this girl, right, named Kimberly <laughs> Shannon Murphy, and she wrote this book <laughs> called Glimmer, The Opposite of Trigger, <laughs> which we all just found out. And I feel like all of our dwellers need to read it. Um, I like to bring you people um, 
Yeah. I like to bring you people. I don't like to bring you books. I don't like to bring you. I like to bring you people who have paid the price um, to be their most authentic selves. Um, and I know that this book is going to be a resource that allows you to go back to the most painful parts of your past and extract the little you that you need in your present to enjoy your future. Let Glimmer be one of the guides that allows you to do that. <sighs> I am I am actually lamenting that I'm coming to the end of saying Kimberly Shannon Murphy. <laughs> I'm actually sad that I'm only going to be able to say it a few more times. But Kimberly Shannon Murphy, thank you. Thank you. For the for giving us the gift of you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And thank you for being on this pod. I appreciate it. And I you. hope it won't be the last time. I know. This was amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, y'all. I love you so much. And um, until next time. Peace. Yeah, so press B with me and let's let whatever gon' be just be. Uh, yeah, so press B with me and let's let whatever gon' be just be.